The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. This is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're catching up with David Williams. David is Executive Chairman of Thompson Resources. Just a reminder there that it's Thompson without the P and it trades under the code TMZ or Tango Mike Zulu. Thompson last traded at 13 cents for an undiluted market cap of about $60 million. Followers of the Explorers podcast might remember that we last caught up with the Thompson story back in early December last year. Its market cap back then was $25 million, so Thompson has been a strong performer since, just as it was actually in the lead up to that uh, podcast last December. The surge in Thompson's market cap is a result of its pursuit of a fold belt hub and spoke strategy in the New South Wales and Queensland border region. Thompson has been something of a Pac-Man with its rapid-fire acquisition of a portfolio of projects in the region with an overarching aim of establishing a 100 million ounce resource on a silver equivalent basis, one that could be fed into a central processing plant, hence the reference to the fold belt hub and spoke strategy. The projects are across a range of high-grade base and precious metal opportunities. They have all been made all the more interesting thanks to price strength across metals like silver, tin, zinc and copper and uh, gold up until recently anyway. Thompson is also active in the New South Wales Lachlan Fold Belt, primarily for gold and tin. Now tin has obviously come into sharp focus recently with the metal taking off to near all-time highs of $32,000 US a tonne, so we'll have a chat to David about that as well. So we've got a lot of things to talk about with this one, so with that I'll say good day to David. Hi David, welcome to the podcast and thanks for your time today. My pleasure, Barry. Nice talking to you. I'm a bit worried about being referred to as Pac-Man, but uh, we'll, we'll let that one slide. Yeah, right. Now, the, um, the fold belt hub and spoke strategy looks to be coming together uh, very nicely. We'll get into the projects in a moment, but first up, I was wondering if you could give us a, a feel for what is driving the strategy. Look, I, I, the, the main driver for the strategy was to, to to take Thompson to another level. And, you know, that was the objective I set out with, um, particularly when we dipped the toe in the water on silver, uh, was to really take it into that development phase as opposed to a small junior explorer. And, uh, and we've done that, and we've done that in a fairly short uh, period of time, essentially locking in uh, deals where we would have in the order of 100 million uh, silver equivalent ounces available to a central processing plant, which we essentially did within four months. Now, mm. uh, this, uh, this border region, New England fold belt area, um, it's been crying out for uh, consolidation that you guys are spearheading? Yeah, well, this is the first time these projects have been under the one umbrella. And when you look at them, and this is how, how we first came into it, when you look at them, each of the projects doesn't stand up on its own, that the resource is too small or it's got some other issues. Now, interestingly, though, each of the sites is a legacy mine site. So each of the sites, each of the projects has operated as a mine at some stage 
Mm -hmm. Might have been back at the turn of the 18th to the 19th uh, hundreds, or it might be like Texas, one that operated back in 2019. Mm. Okay. So... Tell us uh, then about some of the recent additions to the portfolio. I'm thinking particularly about Mount Carrington Gold Silver Project and Texas Silver Project in particular. Yeah, so I think they are the they are the two additions since. Well, in fact, there's another one, but they were the two additions since we last spoke. So they were the the ones that we had identified as being within that proximity, that sort of 75 kilometres from each other, where it starts becoming feasible to move the rock around and into a centralised area. Um, Mount Carrington uh, is, a, is a known and, and uh, has been quite a prolific silver and gold producer. It's got a number of pre-strip pits, particularly with the, with the gold. Um, and it was just something where White Rock was looking for a partner to come in and, and pursue particularly the, the, the work that they had done on a, on a gold first, uh, strategy and, and to move it into production. Um, that already done a PFS and they updated that PFS in, uh, 2020. Um, but we're really looking for someone to take it to that next step forward. And, you know, we could, we can see the potentiality of that project, not just with the, the gold first approach that White Rock had come up with, but also in the silver, uh, deposits around there that, you know, there was, there was a good deal of potentiality and it had a lot of in-ground infrastructure, um, that was, you know, such as a tailings facility, uh, water, um, um, catchment dam um you know the, the stuff that's often hard to to get permitted from the outset um so you know you're, you're sort of much further along on that development pathway but the the jewel we were really after was the texas project and and that uh you know was, as i mentioned before had operated albeit with a heap leach operation back in 2019 to extract the silver from it and it, it's in a, it's in Queensland. It's in an area that's uh, open to to expansion. It's again got a lot of in ground infrastructure. It's, it's it's proven that the resource is there, and and the interesting bit, which we more recently acquired Silver Spur, um, which is sits on that tenement. That was actually what kicked off mining in all of this region. That that, that historic Silver Spur mine, and you know that that had some. Absolutely amazing um, grades of, of silver and zinc um, that they pulled out of it right back to late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Mm. So, from what we've been talking about so far, is it the company wants to be seen as a silver counter, a silver stock? Oh, very much our focus is on silver, but uh, Barry. But we're not going to take the narrow focus that mm -hmm. people necessarily have in the past. What's interesting about each of these areas is is that yes, they're all dominant silver, but such as Mount Carrington, you've also got gold. Such as at Texas, you've also got gold. Mm. But each of them have also got the other technology metals such as copper and zinc. And lead and tin. Um, you know, Conrad's got some good, uh, good tin um, grades there. Uh, and and there's there's so much more there that that if you take your pure silver focused uh, blinkers off, 
and and you look at it as a whole and you look at it from the district scale mm. you can see so much potentiality that actually then says well maybe that little area over there which i might have been thinking was a bit marginal from a pure silver perspective when you start adding in and saying okay well i can get value for the copper or i can get value for the zinc or i can get value for the tin mm -hmm. hmm, actually that's that's a much bigger project now that i can i can get after Mm, okay. So a million dollar question at this point. What's your confidence level in being able to secure that 100 million ounce uh, silver equivalent resource target? Oh, pretty, very high, Barry. I mean, you know, we've, we've looked at it, we've done a lot of work already, but, and I know, again, the $64 million question, what are the actual numbers? And, you know, we could have taken an approach um, of just essentially rubber stamping the numbers that were there before, doing a quick and dirty um, resource definition, but that's not what we're about. We wanted to make sure in everything that we do that we do it properly and therefore we've taken our time to make sure that not only have we got a robust and sustainable database that sits behind the resource definition but that we do bring in all the relevant uh, 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 minerals that will be uh, able to be extracted mm. and that we're actually looking at what is also the the further potential and the upside as as we go through and so you will have seen from our recent announcement on conrad the, back in um, a week or so ago um, that is is the the initial outworking of what we have seen and what we have put to the resource geologists to start working up on a resource definition and it's already starting to unlock the the greater potentiality that's there so as we go through each of these projects in this sort of robust sustainable way so we'll be able to come out with the numbers but because we are doing it properly because we want it to be able to withstand scrutiny because we actually want to know what the real numbers are that uh, as we go forward and develop scoping studies you know it it'll take longer than just being able to do a quick fix of being able to publish the numbers mm. yeah just on Conrad, uh, near Invernell in New South Wales, uh, high grade, you know, I mean high grade, 20 ounce a tonne silver historic uh, production history. And I believe yep. you've got AMC consultants preparing the resource estimate. That's correct. So what, what we wanted to do was that we wanted to find uh, a, a, a resource geologist firm that had both the resources, understood where we were coming from and what we were trying to achieve. Um, and you know, that we felt that could value add to us in the broader picture and be with us for the long term. So mm. it was, again, it was about building relationships, the same sort of stuff we've been doing with Stephen Nano and the Global Ore team, Peter Rona and the Core Resources team, Steve White and the Spinifex team. It, it's about finding the guys with the expertise uh, and and who are going to be there as long-term partners uh, rather than giving us a quick fix. Mm, okay. So generally, what's the plan with regards to scoping out the company's uh, central processing op options? Is it too early yet or is planning underway? Oh, no, the planning is well underway, but the, but the secret to all of this, and, and again, when you look at the different projects, you know, work, there's been good work done in some places and no work done in others, but the secret is in understanding the metallurgy 
what what are the rocks you're dealing with you know what what is the silver sitting within how will you be able to extract it how can you get the best possible recovery uh, in the most economically efficient way and we, we've had the, the core resources guys working through this they've given us their uh, their initial thinking on it which is all you know at this point in time saying to us yep yep keep going this is this is all starting to make sense but it has also identified areas where we do need to do more sampling, do more assaying, do more um, geochemical studies or petrography studies and so on, just to really understand the rock we're dealing with and therefore what is the optimal um, processing system that we need to adopt uh, as far as uh, going forward. Mm, okay. Uh, as you've mentioned, all of the, uh, the, the company's projects have a, lots of historical uh, history about them and uh, resources even. I'm just wondering, though, what's the upside on the ex- exploration front, you reckon? Uh, look, uh, and again, I think if, if, if the, the Conrad announcement we made is a good example of that, that um, uh, it, it, in a... In a um, in a sense, in a narrow sense, because if you if you look at some of the long sections that are there as, as part of the geological model, you can see that there's a number of areas, you know, particularly you know the Princess Street, for example, on on Conrad, where there's been a little bit of drilling, but not a huge amount of drilling, and you can see that in in other areas there. The shoots are open at, at at depth because the drilling hasn't gone down that far. So, you know, at, at at the very least, in in each of these projects, we can see by stepping back and taking the larger view that if we do more drilling, or in some areas, if we go and get some geophysical data, then um, then we're going to throw up further prospects, which which haven't really been chased and. Again, with projects like Texas, where we sort of step back and say, well, let's just look at this not purely for the silver, um, but, but the silver is associated with other, other metals. There'll be areas where that association means it's worth getting that silver out along with the, with the other metals. And what are the trends? So what if you actually step back and start exploring some of those areas where you're getting a transition from from silver into gold or silver into copper and into zinc and and what does that then do to your resource modeling and further what does it then do with your optimal pit design because you might take quite a different approach if you look at in that in that global district scale um, where you're just not keeping yourself narrow to one particular element. So mm. we actually think there's a lot of exploration upside and exploration potential in each of these projects. And consequently, that forms a, a very large part of, uh, of our plank going forward. Yeah. So in a way, the, the company's become both a development slash exploration story. That's dead right. I mean, you've always, even in a development uh, story, you've got to have that little bit of sizzle of, of, you know, well, where's the next rock going to come from, um, you know, after you've you've dealt with the the specific development plan. So it's not about being of a a particular size and and then that's where you you stay. It's, It's actually about 
saying, well, that's got to be our starting size. Um, where do we go? Where do we go from there um, to uh, to make it even larger and to keep on increasing that um, uh, you know that uh, mine life, which is so important as far as your economics are concerned. Yeah. Okay. Now, down in the Lachlan Fold Belt, uh, Gogren Gold Project, drilling, you've been drilling there. I was just wondering what you've come up with. Yeah, look, we, I mean, we did a we did a phase of of, of drilling at Yale Golgren, which you know, again sort of continued to reinforce the story. The, the then we sort of did the, finally got back to to Harry Smith and and did some some further work there. It, that sort of demonstrated to us that we 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 still need to do some further drilling, but you know, it it revealed yet another uh, load. So it, so instead of well, that might have ended up being a bit more confined in length. We're actually finding it's repeated as we go up. So it's starting to build up into quite a nice little gold project. And yeah, but we've run into cropping uh, into the crop season, so we've got a uh, pause on that. And uh, we we went for as long as we could on on Baigu, but the. Uh, uh, the the farmer has been brilliant. He just he said, "Oh look, I, I've got to get those crops in tomorrow. <laughs> you'll you'll have to finish up." And you know that's what we recognise. And of course, that was why you know we picked up the Chilligo projects up in far north Queensland mm-hmm. to, to provide that sort of counter seasonal work. Um, mm-hmm. You know when the crops are on. But look, yeah, we'll we'll need to come back and do more work on that at the end of the year. Um, not quite ready to. To define a resource yet, but it, you know, continues to be producing some good results. Right. Okay. God bless the farmers. We've got to keep them happy on the yep. exploration that's, front. That's um, right. <laughs> so um, now I mentioned tin. Um, I think it's up ninety uh, percent on last year's average, let alone uh, last year's low. Now, lock and fold belt. There is a, a, a distinct tin flavour to the portfolio. I was just wondering if you could run through that for us, thanks. Yeah, no. So look, we've we've done a number of rounds of drilling in the past on on the Baigu Tin project and a, and an initial one on Bald Hills, which is just nearby. And you know, we we really sort of had some very strong results and 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 all near near surface. So you know, you're you're looking at running at at, at grades of one to two percent, which <laughs> a lot of the tin projects you, you look at now sort of more running around 0.3 or 0.4 percent. Um, so we, we we finally when we'd finished working on the on the Harry Smith and 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 Mally Hen drilling programs, we got up to to Baigu. A few problems with rain coming through. We seemed to seem to attract periodically, but we we kept going as I mentioned until um, uh, the, the end of end of April, early May, when uh, we just had to sort of stop drilling. So we didn't get done all that we wanted to, and because there's so much exploration going on around Australia at the moment, you know, the the speed of getting assays and assay results is not yeah. quite what it was last yeah. year. <laughs> so, um, but look, where those results are about to come in. So, um, it, you know, the guys on the ground when they when they were drilling, same, yeah, there was some pretty interesting dirt coming up. So, uh, yeah, we would hope to. To be able to to get those results and publish them um, in in the very near future, and uh, you know just continue to build that that tin 
that tin resource and or the, the tin target, the tin depth, and then go on and define the resource. Um, and, and again, yeah, it, it's it's starting to look a nice little project. And what we mustn't forget is some of that additional ground that we pegged um, around both the the, the Harry Smith Bayou area and also up at the Algolgren area, mm. as we see, has historic tin and historic tin occurrences. So the, there's other aspects that we can add to it. And and again, I can see in, 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 in my mind, albeit on a smaller scale, another hub and spoke uh, uh, strategy or another hub and spoke story here of just bringing those all together in a central processing plant, be it gold or be it silver, where we can make use of those synergies. And and we just need to bear in mind that the Algogran down to Harry Smith is only 70K. So mm. it's, uh, you know, they're not talking about big distances between there, but it is smaller scale. It is earlier development. Um, and hence, you know, to, to round off, that's why our big focus is on uh, on the, the New England fold belt because it's further down that pathway. It's got larger resources there. And a little bit of tin, as I mentioned before, we could pick up a bit more tin around that area. Um, then, uh, uh, and, and Emmerville and, and, and Inverell, that area is well known for tin. We might actually be able to develop tin as part of that hub and spoke strategy. Right. Okay. Well, anything you can add at uh, US thirty thousand dollars a ton plus is uh, going to be worthwhile. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You. Uh, uh, I was just reading a Macquarie note actually saying that uh, there's every chance that the world will run out of uh, tin stockpiles in the next couple of years unless we see some new mines coming forward. Uh, are you a, a bull on tin? I look. I've always been um, Barry, on a, a, and and I wasn't initially on silver, but I am now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've always, you know, to me, tin is, is a is an understated and probably un, under understood mm. uh, metal, and particularly when you get into the into the battery technologies and and the technology metals, because you know it's it, it's a fairly I won't say benign, but it doesn't necessarily have the, um, uh, the, the, the angst about it that, say, lead has. Mm. And, and yet it can be quite a good substitute for lead um, as part of that work is concerned. So it's always, it, yeah, it, it's a sleeper. But it, again, it's, you know, it, tin is a bit like silver in the sense of I think markets like America or investment markets like America understand and understand its value, but it's sort of it, it hasn't attracted the attention of Australian investors. So you you find tin has a very sort of niche investment community, and mm. in a sense, so so has silver. But gee, you can't talk to the Americans yeah, as, exactly. uh, mm. as we have, and you sort of you know how how, how can I get some Thompson stocks? <laughs> That's right. Okay, David. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time today, but um, thanks for the rundown on Thompson today. Uh, there's obviously lots to look out for in coming uh, months, so best of luck with it all, and we'll be following with interest. Brilliant. Thanks, Barry, and, and as always, a pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Cheers.